This is Dr. Dawn Russell. I'm a board-certified general OBGYN with over 20 years of practice experience. SheSpace is a place where I can share my experience, recommendations, and knowledge, and some would say opinion, on women's health ranging from general health to menopause to pregnancy and everything in between. Today's topic is safe sex, or you deserve a condom. So safe sex is a topic that is heavily laden in our society with judgments, social opinions, religion, family influence. And my job here today is not to express an opinion about those things or even comment necessarily on those things, but rather I'm coming from the point of view of the facts and only the facts. Because sex is a choice, and because it should not be a judgment, and by the way, there's an opinion, but because of that, I believe that in order for people to make good choices, they have to have the facts. And when they get sex education in various platforms, many times there are judgments or morality placed upon those facts rather than the facts themselves. My goal here is to give you the facts alone so that you can make a good choice about whether to have sex or not have sex or to have sex with a certain person. So th what I'm saying is that sex should be an educated choice. And if you don't have the facts, you can't make an educated choice. So as I move through this, I also want to be clear that this is mostly from the point of view of what my most of my clinical experience is. And that's seeing females in the context of having female male sex. So that usually involves vaginal penetration, but I'm also going to mention anal penetration because that has important implications for risk factors. The next part of this podcast is going to seem really boring. And the reason is, is I'm going to list off a bunch of facts. There's nothing more boring than listening to numbers and facts. However, I don't think that you can make good decisions unless you have these numbers and can put them relative to your risk aversion or risk, risk acceptance. So first off, it's important to understand that if we're comparing anal versus vaginal sex, anal sex generally will have increased risk for transmission of sexually transmitted diseases for the simple reason that it causes slightly more trauma to the tissue, so therefore causes some more small tears in the tissue, which makes it easier for semen to carry any diseases that the semen may carry to the female in the bloodstream. So that's why as I list off these risks, you're gonna hear a higher risk mostly for anal intercourse as having a higher risk for sexually transmitted disease risk. So let's start out with the big one. And when I say that, I mean that this is the one I think that has received a lot of press, although maybe not enough press, but HIV. So HIV luckily doesn't carry the highest risk of transmission, but I hope most people realize that it does carry one of the highest risks of long-term morbidity and mortality. And remember, morbidity means just illness and mortality means death. Luckily in this day and age, there are many things that we can do to make this more of a long-term chronic disease 
the necessarily the death sentence that it was when it was first being discovered in the 80s. But either way, this is certainly not a disease that anybody wants to catch. So what are the real facts? Here you go, numbers. So for vaginal sex, and what I mean is penile to vaginal intercourse, you have a 0.05 to 0.1% or, and this number's easier, four per 10,000 chance of catching HIV in a sexual act. Now, this is all comers, so you have to know that if somebody is positive, this will probably be slightly higher, but you don't always know the status of the person you're with. For anal sex, if you are receiving anal sex, you have a 1.4% or 138 per 10,000 risks. So that's an important difference. And this number may not seem high to you, but again, make this relative to the long-term health implications and realize that it's probably not a risk worth taking. Herpes is the next one, and this is interesting because herpes is a sexually transmitted disease, and it has a lot of social stigma attached to it, but luckily not as many long-term health consequences. So the lesions or ulcers that you get from herpes are painful, and they're annoying, and nobody wants to talk about them. But truthfully, they're not really something that carries long-term health consequences except for pregnancy. And in those cases, it can be a risk to pregnancy. But either way, the risk of getting herpes with vaginal sex, 0.3 to 0.7%. Okay, that's just the facts. Next one on my list, gonorrhea. So gonorrhea is a bacterial infection that is sexually transmitted, and it carries a few more health implications from the female reproductive tract in that it can rise up through the uterus into the fallopian tubes and it can cause scarring. You can also actually get really sick from gonorrhea. So this is another one you don't want, but I think that these numbers might surprise you because this isn't one people talk about as much, but the chance of getting gonorrhea from vaginal sex is 20%. That's not a small number. So. If nothing else, that's a number I want you to think about if you're choosing to have intercourse with somebody. Of course, condoms are going to help, and I will get to that later. So there's a good side to all of this. I'm not just saying to everybody, don't have sex so you don't get stuff. But we'll get to the condom usage in a second. For anal sex, the chance of receiving, for receiving anal sex, the chance of getting gonorrhea, 84%. So I think that number can kind of stick in your brains even more. So let's move on to chlamydia. So chlamydia has some of those similar risks to gonorrhea in that it can um, rise up through the female uterus and fallopian tubes and cause some scarring, which can lead to infertility or long-term problems. And again, you can get sick from it too. So the risk of getting chlamydia from vaginal intercourse, 4.5%. Not that high, but not that low. So for anal sex receptive, it's 32%. So again, those numbers indicating exactly um, how much more transmission happens during anal sex because of the trauma to the tissue. So 
The next one is syphilis. Now, syphilis seems like a disease that more comes from history or movies. But in truth, syphilis is on the rise, not something any of us want to hear. Now, the good news is syphilis is very treatable um, with simple penicillin. However, syphilis also doesn't have a lot of symptoms until later, and it can actually affect your neurological system as well as your reproductive system. And so syphilis is a dangerous disease. Your chances of getting syphilis from vaginal intercourse, 51 to 64%. So it's a sneaky little bug, meaning that it has a high transmission rate, but very low symptoms in the beginning of the disease. From receptive anal sex, 30 to 60%. So about the same on that one regarding vaginal versus anal sex. But again, super high transmission on that syphilis. So something to think about. And then the last one I want to talk about is HPV. Because human papilloma virus, which is a virus that we've really only paid attention to heavily in the last couple decades, because we've realized that it is what causes many types of cancers. So making it a kind of fascinating idea that a cancer can be a sexually transmitted disease. And of course, that's a few steps down the line. However, HPV is what causes cervical cancer. Now, the good news is, is that just because you get HPV does not mean that you get cervical cancer. It's just that it's one of the usually necessary pieces for your cervix to start misbehaving and to get a cancer. So your chance of getting HPV, the statistics get a little funnier here. So the way that it's quoted is that you have 4% per 100 person months, which is a really weird way to say something for most of us. But I think that the better way to say this is that most people will have an 85% chance of getting HPV in their lifetime. That's huge. So from a GYN perspective in the office, I can honestly tell you that if I am seeing a patient and she has had sex at all, I kind of assume that she was exposed to HPV. Now, the good thing about HPV is that you do have a good chance of being able to clear it with healthy lifestyle, with limiting your partners, not smoking, and then most importantly, of course, seeing your GYN for regular pap smears as recommended so that we can pick up things on the early side and watch them and make sure that they don't turn into a cancer. So I just gave you all the facts and it's interesting when you talk to a a given person because one person is going to say, oh, 0.7% for herpes. Oh, only 4.5% for chlamydia. I'm not worried about that. That doesn't sound bad. Another person is going to say, 0.7%, that's awful. So risk is absolutely relative to the person. But I do want to emphasize that all of these can carry significant long-term consequences, even if the risk seems small. So how do you limit your exposure? Now, of course, I have to say this just because it's a fact, abstaining from or not having sex is probably the only way I know of of absolutely not getting any of these diseases. 
But given that, I don't think that's a realistic or even a positive recommendation to make to people because it takes out the whole conversation of intimacy or sexual activity, which is very enjoyable to most people. So instead, let's concentrate on how you limit your risk. So number one, think about limiting the number of partners that you have. I am not saying that you can't have more than one partner in your lifetime or over a given period, but please remember that every time you have sex with somebody new, you're exposing yourself to a new set of risks. So it's not about necessarily deciding not to, it's a matter of making a conscious choice about that. Second, make sure and see your sexual health provider, whether that is a GYN or your primary care or your nurse practitioner or your PA. On a regular basis, if you have more than one partner and aren't necessarily monogamous, because it's important to talk about when and how often you should get tested. Because most of these diseases we can do something about if we know they're there and we can stop some of those long-term consequences. So for people who choose to have multiple sex partners, it's also important to choose to see your provider more frequently so that you can get appropriate testing and discuss your risks. There are also drug regimens that can be considered for those who have higher risk in order to avoid getting HIV. And that would be an important thing to discuss with your provider as well. So now I'm gonna say the most important thing. Use a condom. And for those who didn't hear what I just said, use a condom. Condoms are probably up to 98% effective in preventing all of the numbers I just talked about when used appropriately. Now, having said that, that means placing the condom at the right time in your sexual activity. It means leaving room at the tip so that there's room for the semen to be somewhere and not go back up the condom. So it's important to learn how to use condoms correctly. I'm not gonna try to do that and explain it out loud, but I will tell you there's a lot of resources that are good resources on the internet about how to correctly use a condom. Now, the other part of this that actually probably initiated my whole idea of doing this podcast is that too often I'm having women tell me in clinic that their sexual partner talked them out of using a condom saying things like, well, it doesn't feel the same, or it doesn't feel right with a condom. But let me tell you something. You deserve a condom. I really want to just empower you with the facts as well as the self-fulfillment that you deserve to use a condom. So please, at the beginning of your evening, at the beginning of your interaction, this needs to be clear and you need to be set on this idea. Because let's face it, in the heat of the moment, it's fairly easy for people to talk you out of something, including using a condom. But you need to be clear that this import is important for not just your health, but his as well. That is probably the biggest reason that I'm doing this podcast is caring about women in situations where their partner talked them out of using a condom. And I'm here to tell you that you are important, you are worth it, your health is important, not only to you, but your providers, and honestly, the rest of society so as not to spread things. So please, 
you deserve a condom.